Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight. It's hump day, isn't it? Yeah, I, I get it, confused on days. <laughs> I do, too. They all kind of run together. A lot of things happening in the news. Did you happen to see yesterday, and I don't have any audio because there really wasn't any, uh, there was a reception at the White House. Barack Obama was there, and he was like the centerpiece. Everybody was around him. He was like the honey, and everybody was the bees, except for Joe. Joe was trying to be included in the group, but they wouldn't let him in. And it was so sad to see this. He was walking around. He was he was trying to interject. They were ignoring him. He tapped Barack Obama on the shoulder. He ignored him. Kamala Harris was right next to Obama. She ignored Joe. It was actually kind of sad to watch this. He was in this group, and he's the president, and he was excluded. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I, I saw bits and pieces of it. I saw the quote-unquote joke. <laughs> it was a joke. I'm kidding. Obama mm -hmm. said when he referred to Biden as the vice yeah. president, he was kidding. Then again, uh, maybe not, because uh, there's a lot of evidence out there that uh, Obama has been in the background pulling the strings uh, on this and other things, even going back before the election with Zuckerberg and that $400 million. There's a movie out about it now where he sat there and basically bought votes, bought the election, and they changed, they, 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 they paid to change the voting rules before the election. This, the, and it's, it proves it was rigged. So the big lie is really the big lie saying that it was a big lie about it being rigged, <laughs> if that makes sense. But the question the is, is was, the, yeah. was it a big lie? <laughs> well, well, what happened was it really was stolen. And the big lie is to say it wasn't stolen. Well, he said was. to us, didn't he say it was in one of his um, speeches in the beginning of his, his first term, we were about to go, we were going to change our country fundamentally. I, I'm, try, I'm not sure exactly how he said it, but he said it and they've done it. They've changed our country. Fundamentally, everything that Joe Biden has done during his uh, election has been to damage our our country. You show me one thing that he's done that has been positive and, and I'll take it back. Well, there's uh, there was a story out that I was reading just before we started this. But basically, the uh, the open uh, the open borders is helping the CCP uh, covert biological warfare on us. That is number one. We're bringing people across the border. Oh. And, well, you know, there was a funny story that I saw where the, a snake, a guy was called, there's a snake in our house. I think it was down in Texas. And he found, this guy's like six foot seven. And was, he found a seven foot snake. That was a rat snake in the couch. But here's what it was. It was a Vietnamese rat snake. Well, how'd that get in this country? You can't yeah. bring things in like that, reptiles or anything. But it was in, it was somebody's pet or brought in somehow on the loose. So it came across the border and found its way into somebody's house. They had a report now, yesterday. They had a report yesterday on on uh, on Fox. Bill Mnuchin did it. And he was in a parking garage. And they were bringing in not 100 or 200, but several hundred people every day, illegals. They were bringing him into the parking garage, 
the, the uh, agents had put a black tarp to hide the waiting area where the illegals were going to stand in the parking garage. And then a few minutes later, a bus came along. These illegals walked onto the bus, but they weren't families. This wasn't uh, men, women, and their children. These were all guys. These were all young men, like 30, 25 years old, all of mm -hmm. them. And they were being shipped all over the country. They get an iPhone. They, right. get, they get some money. And they yes. get a ticket to what city they want to go to. And they get a court date six years from now. But now here's something from FEMA. Because all of these people are coming over in droves, there is a process that we allow people to come in and become proper citizens. That was all thrown out the window. And now they're having to change the rules to where these people are not even going to have to worry about that six years from now court date or do anything. We're going to give them an automatic pass, according to FEMA, which means everybody that's coming across, welcome you new brothers to our uh, and sisters to our country. And we had a, a regulation that was put into a, into place during the Trump administration, and it, it was involved uh, involving COVID. People just couldn't come across if they had, uh, if they I guess if they were tested and they had some symptoms, they were sent back to Mexico. I think right. it was called Article 42 or or something like that. I haven't got it in front of me. They're going to uh, cancel that that regulation out in a few weeks. The Biden administration has already announced that they're going to take that regulation away. So now if anybody has COVID, there's no checking. Come on across. You can come on into the country. I was listening to a guy this morning. He said he was in a hospital recently, and he was there to, to get some emergency treatment. And they had to make sure that he had his insurance card and had to check out the card. And they were very specific about what they had to do. Next to him were, were, was an illegal. No insurance card, no check-in. Just come on in, get treated, no problem, and then you can leave. So now you know what I'm thinking about doing for benefits? I think I'm going to leave the country, lose all my ID, who walk mm -hmm. back across the border and say, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I'm from. Uh, can I get my court date and papers? Where's my iPhone and my money? Yeah, I want to go to Pennsylvania. <laughs> so if I'm gone know. for a week, that's what I'm doing, friends. I don't I'm know where I'm from. For being a new citizen. <laughs> well, you know, all I can say is, is we're in for some tough times and things don't seem to be getting any better. There's no sign of any any changes coming down the road soon that'll help slow this uh, disaster down. And again, like I said a few minutes ago, Bill, I can't think of one thing since he's been president that he has done to help the average American citizen. Now, people may say, oh, you're just saying that because you were a Trump fan or you're a Republican, or all the nonsense stuff. Let's think about it for a second as Americans, just as Americans. What has this guy done to help the average American, help you, Bill, and help me? Well, if I'm an illegal alien, he's helped me a lot, but I'm not one yet, but I'm working on that. You know, uh, <laughs> Fauci was in the news. Uh, he's saying now, and it, this kind of goes to the border thing and everything, because all Fauci knows how to talk about, it. he's an expert on COVID. Hell, he invented it, so he should know about it, but now... Remember when we were talking about, well, we'll get through this and it will, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. 
And now he's gone. Well, we've passed that point of being able to, to say it's gone. It's here. Well, you look at the border thing. Now this is going to be yours and my fault because we didn't listen to the good Dr. Oh, Fauci, sure. Mr. Fauci, go talk to your boss. They're going to say, they're going to say, you didn't wear a mask. You didn't social distance. And that's why we have a resurgence of the COVID virus. The fact that they're letting literally tens of thousands of strangers in from across the border, from wherever they came from in the world, and they're not checking in and they're just, and, and they're not leaving them in Texas or, or in, a, in a border state. They're flying them to places unknown like Westchester County, New York, and, and Louisiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania. They're flying him in the middle of the night, dropping them off, and then they're on their own. Think yeah. of it. If, they, if you wanted to spread a virus in this country, could there be a better plan? Seriously, if you wanted to get yeah. the whole nation sick, you take a bunch of people who may have whatever, and you drop them off all over the country and let them go and, and cough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, know. it doesn't make sense to me, Bill. It doesn't I, make I, sense I, to me either. I was sitting watching one of the talk shows last night and I'm thinking, I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe. I don't know what's happened to this country. I used to think that somebody was going to come along and fix it, but I don't, I don't feel that optimistic anymore. It's been what a year and a half since uh, the changing of the administration. And you know, I don't see things changing. There's a lot of talk about that. You know, Hey, you know, if, if Trump's a coming, he ought to come by now. Uh, the funny thing is there was a talk show host in Georgia. What's his name? Uh, John Fre Frederick. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, uh, talking to Trump yesterday, he said, well, you need to face reality. And he was talking about a candidate down there, David Perdue, who's the Republican running down there against uh, a Democrat and uh, the Democrat Kent. is ahead in the polls. Can't. Yeah. Can't. Yeah. And so um, Frederick sat there and said, you need to face reality. You know, Purdue's not making it. But if you did another rally here, that would be enough to throw him over the top. And yes, it probably would. But I got to thinking, I'm going like, wait a minute. Trump is the biggest force there is on the Republican side and most likely will be a contender for 2024. I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying he's most likely. And you can say whatever you will about Trump. But my point is, is Trump can't do it all. So talking about facing reality to uh, our fellow cohort down in Georgia, talk show host, John Frederick, you need to face reality and motivate your listeners to get involved. If you want change in this country, you got to get up off your lazy rear end and help out and do something. You sit here and listen to this podcast. Go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. I'm going to listen again tomorrow to get motivated again. But if you don't do anything, this is how we are getting involved. Now, if I could run for a, a local office, you know, I probably would because then I could have a bigger voice. If I can get involved in helping out in the campaign, I will do it because my voice is bigger. You can do the same thing. You can have a bigger voice than Jim or I if you get involved. So that is facing reality. Otherwise, these little sycophants that are liberals, 
they're just going to run away with it, and they're even going to perfect the steel even more. Now, it hasn't worked. What you just said is what I'm concerned with, perfecting the steel. I think that all of what you just said is right on the money. If we were playing in a, a level playing field, if the, uh, if the game weren't rigged, so to speak, I do think that based upon the evidence that I've seen, and, you know, there, there are investigations that are ongoing in different states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, all of these states are doing investigations into the 2020 election. All of them have found discrepancies, which the media ignores. The media ignores all of these, these uh, mis- mis- not mistakes, all of these seemingly illegal uh, irregularities. Oversights. Oversights, yeah. And yeah. you know what's going to happen? We're gonna, if they don't do something to stop 2020, if they don't go back and fix it, and if somebody isn't made to pay for what they did, the treasonous act that they did, it will embolden them. They will be stronger in 22. They'll do, they'll have the, the mistakes that they made in 2020 that were found by investigators. They'll fix those. And in 2024, when there's a presidential election, you'll never see. There'll be no trace. They'll hide everything. They'll have the system down. The fix will be in. Well, I think the fix has been in because here's the deal. You cannot sit there and ask a thief to turn himself in. He's going to sit there and go, oh, no, I didn't do anything wrong and therefore hide the evidence. We actually probably need, not, not actually probably, we need a mechanism that is when something that comes up like this, it's not protected by the party or the thief. What they did in, in doing the steal, Soros paid for and Zuckerberg helped to put it in judges in the proper places. Mm-hmm. And when we go, hey, hey, whoa, 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 fraud over there, fraud over there. Well, if you're asking the person that has mm-hmm. a person in place to check the fraud, there was no fraud or crime because I'm not going to tell them myself or the people that pay me. So we need some independent form that's out there. And that's going to be a hard thing to do because people are people. And no matter what party you're from, there is a gene. It's called the dishonest. I'm a rear end gene. And <laughs> they're out there, especially in politics. We got to fix it. I don't know how we do it. it. I don't know how we do it without having some major overhaul from a powerful source. I think the disease has metastasized so much into our system that it's almost inoperable. I think that we have allowed this uh, corruption to fester for so long. And I'm talking about 20 years, maybe 25 years. Soros didn't start putting his judges and local officials in place last week or last month or last year. He did it years ago. You know, and the other thing that gets me about Zuckerberg, but before I forget, there are election laws that say you can only contribute so much money to a, to a campaign. If Bill Knight was going to uh, add some money to his favorite uh, candidate's coffers, he'd have a limit like 2,500 bucks or $3,000, but there is a limit as to what you can contribute. So how does a guy like Zuckerberg inject $450 million into the last campaign? How does he do it without going to jail? How is it fair for a guy who's a billionaire to do all the wrong things and get away with it, 
Yet you and I, Bill Knight, Jim Harrington, and all of our podcast listeners, if we did it, we'd get screwed. Well, I can tell you who helped engineered it. Uh, he was a president at one time, and like no other president before, he decided to stay in D.C., and some say to pull strings. Now, I understand he was at the White House yesterday, and uh, all the all the little lefty sycophants were there going, oh, it's nice to have you back. <laughs> well, he helped Zuckerberg, and there is documentation that Obama helped with the reinventing of the election rules secretly, covertly, and using that money to buy. So he knows about laundering money in D.C., and uh, how to throw it out of an airplane, too, on a tarmac. It amazes me. These are the people who want to fundamentally change our country. He said it, not me. Barack Obama said he wanted to fundamentally change our country. He still believes that he can do it, but he wants to change it for you and me, but not really for him, because he has a multi-million dollar, a $10 million home in D.C. that he bought, and he refurbished and put in a secure room so that he could have confidential meetings with his staff and other people without it being eavesdropped so that they can't hear what he's saying in that room. He has one. It's called a skiff. He's got it. Very few people have a skiff in their private home. He also bought a multi-million dollar uh, mansion uh, on Martha's Vineyard. Now, these are the guys who are concerned about environmental uh, situations. They're very green, right? The oceans are rising. So where does he buy his mansion? He buys it on Martha's Vineyard, and if he got any closer to the ocean, he'd be in the ocean. Also, he bought, just for for his Christmas vacations, he bought a mansion. Now you're saying, well, a lot of people buy houses in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Now, he didn't just buy a house in Hawaii. If you ever saw the very first uh, series Magnum. Magnum P.I., yeah, he bought Robin Masters' mansion in Hawaii, the one they filmed the first Magnum P.I. on, but that wasn't good enough. Then they he had, had to, to tear it, it down. Yeah, yeah, they had to gut it and completely refurbish it for his liking. So now he can walk out there with Zeus and Apollo. You know. All right. Here's my question. Before he became president, you know, he was a measly lawyer. And yeah, I, I don't say that lightly because lawyers make money, but not all of them. He was not a big top biller out there. You know, Oprah helped him out and said, oh, he's my guy. He's my guy. And everyone's going, who is this guy? He's my guy. And he got into the office. Very, you know, I'll say handsome man, good speaker. So he had all the attributes that could help him out and, and win by, well, he looks good to the, the eye. That's very important for the American voter. It doesn't matter what he stands for. Does he look good and sound good? And uh, will look good on the American stage. I say you got to go beyond that. But yeah, he got in, and now all of a sudden, he's got all this money. He got a deal for Netflix for doing absolutely nothing. Sixty million bucks. Yeah, but he's done nothing. Oh, he does this nature thing, which mm -hmm. I understand is a big flop. Uh, he's gotten book deals. Now you got to understand, Michelle didn't write her book. He didn't write his book or books. What happens is you sit down with a ghostwriter, and they go, "Well, what are your thoughts?" And they take notes and then they pin it out for you. And you mm -hmm. look so darn good. What a brilliant person you are. I could never <laughs> write a book myself. You've written books. You've written great stories. That is a, a, a gift you have. I can sit down with a great idea and go, um, uh, and that's 
about as far as I get. I might get well, Bill, one a lot sentence. of guys, a lot of guys like Bill O'Reilly, the smart guy. He has a book series called Killing This, Killing That. And they're never really written by Bill. It says by Bill O'Reilly in big, bold letters because he draws the, the readers. It'll say with Martin Framistan or in small print or whatever his name is with Joe Freebish. And Joe Freebish is really the guy who wrote the book. Uh, they yeah. have these ghostwriters, but they get credit. And the, and the ghostwriters like it because they make a ton of money. And Bill O'Reilly makes a ton of money. And I don't knock these guys for doing that because they're busy. I don't. I don't think these guys could could write a book because their schedules don't don't give them the time to write it. Writing a book takes hours of the of your day, and I look, look at O'Reilly. He does. Uh, he's always doing his nightly TV show on the first, and he has uh, the O'Reilly Factor on the internet, which is another show. And uh, he's always a guest on either Hannity or Glenn Beck or one of these radio programs. So these guys don't have the time to write. So you have no, to they don't. Ghost writer, you know. Yeah, uh, and Hannity's got books out, but he didn't run Beck. You know, he yeah. and I work together, and I know Beck, and he's a great communicator, one of the best communicators out there. But I know firsthand from working with him, uh, 90% of what he does, or at least when I worked with him, was it was a support team that put it all mm -hmm. together. Now, he might have said, hey, let's do this. This is funny. It's in the news. And then they would put it together, uh, and boom. Wow, Beck yeah. is such a great guy. It was the name. He's he's a suit with a name, or he's he's the shell. He's the front the, man. He's yeah, the guy. He's the front man. He, you know what he can do, Bill? He he's a good editor, he, meaning he can pick the right people that he that and they'll get him the stuff that he wants. He can then turn around. Remember, he did he did the show that preceded the five on Fox, and he could step in front of that chalkboard and explain something better than any professor that I've ever seen, oh, he yeah. would get up there and I would think to myself, how much time in the, in, the, in the day does he take to prepare that presentation? Because it was amazing. He could explain a complex political situation and do it in such a way that everybody got it. And, and he could explain it in under like 20 minutes because he'd spend the rest of the hour talking about what he explained. And I think to myself, he's, he's amazing. And what you're saying is, is actually makes sense. He would probably have producers and uh, people who wrote stuff for him, got him material. He would then go through it, sift through it, and pick the things that he felt comfortable using. And that's how he uh, made his bones in the uh, broadcasting business, so to speak. And, you yeah, know, but know. it started when you worked with him. Yeah, there was a guy by the name, I think it was Bob Drees, uh, that was at the station that, that did a lot of stuff because I produced a, an Elvis bit one time. And uh, Bob Drees actually did one of the voices on the thing. And, you know, it, 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 it was a comedy bit that went national all over the place. And, but Beck wanted it for his show. And by God, I was pulled into the office and said, Hey, you got to give this up, even though it's yours. And I was like, going, okay, what the hell, you know? So I did, but, <laughs> but Bob Drees did a lot of stuff for him. Now, I don't know if he's still around uh, and maybe he's still with him. I don't know. I haven't looked him up in years. But uh, that was one of the guys early on in the career. A talented guy. And getting back to what we were originally saying about writers, ghost writers, Barack Obama, he doesn't write his stuff. He's got ghost writers writing his stuff. Now, I think that the, the guys who do the writing will sit down and interview Obama to get the facts and the details. You know, they'll be like reporters getting the, okay, this is a key point. You want me to say this about that? Sure. And how did that happen? And when did that happen? 
that's the kind of thing that these writers do. They really are investigators and they're, they're investigating their co-writer. And a good writer and a good presenter knows this one trick, less is more. So in other words, you present a headline that will catch the thought and, and imagination of the person. And you don't really say that much, but just enough to linger in their mind and let them fill in the blanks, but you kind of lean them towards the way you want to want to fill it in and you move on. So it's, it's concise when somebody tries to give you too much detail and, mm -hmm. and, you know, flood you with all this information, your mind goes, I'm out of here. I can't, I can't. You're absolutely correct. This. You know, Glenn Beck's most recent book is called the great reset or great reset. And mm -hmm. I bought a copy because it was that name that got my interest. Great right. reset because you hear about it all the time. People are saying, what do you mean? Great reset hear about it all the time. Well, he's the president yeah. in the United States. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe in the world economy not just the world economy in the world it occurs every three or four generations as one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946 and uh, since then we established a liberal world order and that hadn't happened in a long while a lot of people dying but nowhere near the chaos and now is a time when things are shifting we're going to, there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway, he called it a new world order. Other people call it the great reset, but they're the same. And they talk about it all the time. Nowadays, certain people, especially people in that clique of people that, uh, we're, we're talking about Obama, Soros, Biden. You know, the one thing we're talking, when we talk about those bites, it's neurolinguistics is how you're, you're doing that. But, uh, one thing that I've always noticed. Can I ask you a question for, for the sake of the podcast and neuro linguistics? What, what exactly is that? When you communicate to somebody, your brain takes in this information and you kind of have to have two functions of the brain. You, you have a gatekeeper is the easiest way to say it. You hear things and you process them. And if you don't know what it is that they're talking about, there's three things that can happen. One you make a false assumption. Well, that's not good. Two, you go, I don't know what this is. You know, the content is lost forever. Or three, it makes the right choice. So what you want to do is, let's say you're driving down the highway and, and you see a sign that says, Stuckies ahead. Well, if you don't know what a Stuckies is, uh, they're stuck for uh, one third chance of getting your attention. But if you go, hungry, your, your brain knows what that is, opens up the receptors. Great food, Stuckies, one neck or next exit. Boom. That's simulconsciencing, that's neurolinguistics at work, and that's programming the brain to take in your message. So that's what you're doing with that. You're setting up the brain, that, that gatekeeper, to open up its, its, its gate and give the proper information. Your mind, the full mind processes billions of inf information per second. The gatekeeper processes 73 bits of information per second. So with that knowledge, that's why communication is very important and how you articulate it. So when you think about that, try it sometime. You know, it's, uh, that's the easy lesson in it.
Wow. So there, that's neuro, neuro. Actually, well, well said, well said, because I think a lot of people hear the term and don't know exactly what it is. And I think you just did a good job. It came about in the sixties. McDonald's invented the, uh, there was the old Burma shave signs and McDonald's invented it in advertising, uh, which what they called simulconsciencing with, Hey, you know what? People get up and go to the bathroom. They leave. Uh, what do we do? We have three seconds to get their attention. So their message would, was all done in three seconds. Would subliminal messaging be a part of neurolinguistics? Sure. Sure. So it could like, be a part of it. In the old days, they used to put like a, a clip in the middle of a, 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 a preview in a movie theater. Out of nowhere, they'd throw a, a clip of a picture, a frame of popcorn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so fast that you couldn't see it, but your mind picked it up. So right, you'd be sitting there watching a preview. It. it made you hungry for popcorn. Yeah, Coke exactly. did it, popcorn, yep. all of that stuff. But back to uh, the, the thing you just played. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I've heard Joe say over and over, and, and, and maybe it's the maybe it's a conspiracy thing of mine, but we know that there are good and evil forces of the world, and maybe there's more than one evil force of the world. And I say that because he goes, there's a change coming. And, uh, you know, a great reset in a new world order. We need to make sure that we are ahead of it. So what does that mean when they say we need to be ahead of, ahead of it? Is he signaling there's two sets of good guys or bad guys here? Uh, mm -hmm. We're the bad guys with the almost white hat. Those guys over there. In other words, I'm saying there yeah. may be more players at the table here. Than yeah, we know in this uh, poker game of life. Well, I th I think you're right, and I think it was goes back to uh, that guy Carl Schwab that we played mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. I have more of uh, Carl Schwab that we can play tomorrow. We've run out of time on today's really? show. This was a fast. fast. This was. I mean, a, look, I got two pages of oh, I, talking me, points. Me I too. Even got to. I know. <laughs> we, well, that's why that's why God invented tomorrow's podcast. And a reminder: you can email us anytime you want to at mail at itsanotherday.com mail at itsanotherday.com or we have a phone you can call us 833-583-6060 833-583-6060 don't forget to join us tomorrow right here for another edition of it's another day i'm out of here i know you are i'm going to the border to recross <laughs> i'll call you in my new cell phone <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.